You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Let's uh, take our Bible, turn to the book of Galatians. Chapter 5 is where we'll set off from this morning. Draw your attention to verse 7 and verse 8. Entitled the message this morning, Running Well and Finishing Strong. Running Well and Finishing Strong. How well are you running the race that the Lord has set before you? And will you finish that race running strong? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatian church. He said, you did run well. There was a time when you were doing so well. You were running very successfully in this Christian race. You were doing so good spiritually. The faithfulness was there. The commitment to Christ was there. You were really doing well. But then he says this. Who did hinder you? That word hinder means to be tripped up. Somebody influenced them. And they got tripped up in the race that The Lord had called them to run. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? What caused you to get tripped up in your Christian experience? And then he says this in verse 8. This persuasion. Who persuaded you in this way? Who convinced you that you should no longer be faithfully running the race? This persuasion cometh not from him that calleth you. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless the preaching of your word today. Stir our hearts. Help us to visually see the race that you have called each and every one of us to run. And that we would run that race well and we would finish it strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bible now and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to pick up with verse 24 through verse 27. Paul says, Know ye not that they which run in a race, they run all, they put everything into it. But one receiveth the prize. Only one can win the race. The difference in the Christian race is we can all win. Amen? Amen. But only one receiveth the prize. He said, so run that ye may obtain. Every one of us can obtain the prize. And every man that striveth for the mastery is is temperate or self-controlled in all things. Now, they do it. They do it. This physical race, this Olympic race, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, we're running the Christian race to obtain an incorruptible crown. 
I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, I'm, I'm running, I'm running well, and I want to finish strong. Now take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very familiar passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through verse 8. Are you there? Give me an amen. amen. For I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord, Paul says. The verge of death. For I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished what? my course. And I want to stop there just for a minute. Look up here. Paul had a course that God had called him to run and God has a course that he has called me to run. God has a course that he has called you to run. My course, your course, his course are not the same course. Are you with me? But whatever course that the Lord has ca called you to run, he wants you to run it well. And he wants you to finish it strong. He does not want you to be persuaded to abandon the course that he has for you. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He ran well. He finished strong. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them, that includes us, to all them that also love his appearing. The Apostle Paul loved sports. Pastor Nono said this week in the tent revivals, Americans are sports crazy. He's right, isn't he? Most of us love our sports. I used to love sports. The older I get, the less they appeal to me, really. But I used to be very much into sports, believe it or not. I used to love playing basketball. Loved playing football. I hated track. And the worst sport in all the world is golf. First of all, it costs a lot of money to go golfing. Yeah, who pays that kind of money to do that, hit this stupid little ball in that hole, I remember the first time I finally got on the green, it took me 18 times to get the ball in the hole. It's a stupid game. But the Apostle Paul loved sports. He loved sporting events. And under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, God moved in the heart and in the pen of Paul to compare, think of that, to compare the Christian life unto an athletic event. On an international scale, no athletic event is so highly publicized or commercialized as the Olympic Games. Billions of dollars are spent on the Olympic Games every four years. Major cities throughout the world vie for the opportunity to host the Olympic Games. They build huge stadiums and complexes and, and build new roads. It's just incredible the amount of money that goes into hosting these Olympic Games. 
But their origin goes all the way back into ancient Greece and the time of the Apostle Paul. In ancient Greece, very similar athletic events were held. You had the Olympic Games, and a year before the Olympic Games, you had what was called the Ithnean Games. And then a year after the Olympic Games, you had another set of what was called the Ithnean Games. These games were athletic competitions that gathered together athletes from without the Grecian world, and they were extremely, extremely popular, just like sports is popular today. These athletic competitions included such things as the arts, such things as music and poetry. Really? Yep. That was involved in the original Ithmian games. But then there was personal combat, such as boxing and wrestling and chariot races. But the main attraction of the Olympic games and the Ithmian games were the various foot races that would be run, and they were all of various lengths. Let me give you a few examples of, these are just a few of where the Apostle Paul likened the Christian life unto an athletic event. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us what, church? What? Run. Let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. My race, your race, his race. What's your race? Run it well. Finish it strong. It says in Philippians, Not as though I has already attained, either are already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I caught not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 6, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight, fight a good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, If any man also strive for the mastery, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And then our text this morning, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? The Christian race. Stop and think about it here for a moment this morning. As a Christian, every day of our life is described as a race. From the moment that we are saved and accept the Lord as our personal Savior, we are, from that point on, running a marathon that will not end until the day we step into glory. So from our salvation experience until we are with the Lord, we are on this course. We are in this race that God has individually called each one of us to run. Every, every day, at least for me, but every day presents new challenges that I have to face. Every day presents new distractions. Every day I face hurdles and I face obstacles 
And I faced those who would persuade me to get off of the course that God has called me to run. And you know, I have to overcome all those temptations. I have to overcome those challenges and those distractions and those hurdles and those obstacles if I am going to run with patience the race that is set before me. I'm telling you what, it is easy to get tripped up. I don't care who you are, young or old, it is so easy to get tripped up and to get off track and to get off the course. Yes or no? How many of you have taken a detour off that course? Can I see your hand? Point proven. When we do get off that course, let me tell you something. Get back on just as soon as possible. If you do get tripped up, if you do fall over one of those hurdles, get back up again and get going. How do you view your Christian life? When was the last time you really viewed your life as a race? To be one. Have you evaluated how well you're running that race? How are you doing as a Christian athlete? Has there been things that have hindered you in that race? Are there things that have tripped you up? How are you doing on your course? Now at this point, I kind of wanted to stop and just throw out some suggestions to you of things that could really trip us up. But you know what? We all know what they are. Don't we? You know what the things are that trip you up. So I guess I really don't need to go into that. The Holy Spirit can bring those to your mind. But are you running strong? Are you going to finish well? Will you hear? If today your race ends, my father-in-law's race may very well end today. But when our race ends and you cross that finish line, will you hear the Savior say, well done? Will he be there to say, great is your reward? Or will you be one of those on that course that have been persuaded to get off. And you'll be ashamed before him at his coming. I would dare say that many of us this morning, if our race was to end now, would probably be ashamed before our Lord. And then there's some of us here that know deep down in our hearts we have run well and we have finished strong. Well, how exactly can you run this race that has been set before you? I'm glad that God hasn't left us in the dark. Take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I'll give you three quick suggestions that the Apostle Paul gave to us of how we could run well and also finish strong. Hebrews 12. Quickly, let's get there. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through verse 2. 
Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, compassed about, everywhere you look, you can see these individuals. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, as you look at that passage of Scripture, for me, there were three things that immediately just popped out of those two verses that showed me how I could run this race well and how I could finish it strong. The first thing that he says is look at all those others who have been faithful in the Christian race. Let them encourage you. We, listen, we have an unbelievable cloud of witnesses that encompass us. If you look here or there or behind you or to the side, there, listen, there are those who have remained faithful, who have run the waste well, and have finished it strong. All you have to do is look to see those faithful Christians and pattern your life after them. Now just before this is Hebrews chapter 11, right? Where we have the heroes of faith. All who ran well and all who finished very strong. But let me say this. We don't have to just look in the past. And I was thinking about this this morning, getting ready in my heart to deliver this message to you. I thought, you know what? I don't have to just look at the characters in the Bible to find faithful men and women. All I have to do is look right out here at Fellowship Baptist Church. And sitting here in these seats are many who have run the race well and are seeking to finish it strong. There are numbers of you who have been running the race with me for over 30 years. Yes, we've tripped up a few times in those 30 years, but praise God, we are still here, we are still together, and we're still running strong. And by God's grace, we're going to finish that way. So you young people, listen to me. You don't just have to look in the Bible to find faithful witnesses. Just look around you at the faithful men and women who have stuck by the stuff over all these years. I could go into story after story about the faithful members here at Fellowship Baptist Church and the things that we have been through through all these years. Look around you. Be encouraged by those who haven't quit. Don't be discouraged by those who have. Amen? Number two, he says, remove. You remember the cloud of witnesses and you remove the weight and the sin which does so easily beset you or trips you up. You, you all know what your besetting sins are. I know what mine are. You know what you need to do? You need to get rid of those things. You need to discard them from your life. Some of them, yes, we may not be able to say that is sin, but you know it's weighting you down, it's holding you back. 
And it has to be removed from your life if you're going to run this race and you're going to run it well. You see, as you're, you're running a race, you, you, you want to have running attire on. I would never run a race in what I have on right now. In, in, in today's Olympics, you almost have to close your eyes when you see they're running a race. Because they don't have anything on. Amen? Amen. But in those days, remember the Bible says, gird up the loins? In those days, they wouldn't run and, 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 and just allow their clothing to flap freely because it could trip them up. What they would do is take their clothing, they would pull it up, and they would tuck it in. They would make sure that there were no hindrances there. Otherwise, they could get tangled up. And they could get tripped up and they could fall. The Christian race really isn't much different. If we are going to run well and finish strong, let me tell you what we need to do. We need to get rid of the snares of sinful living that are going to trip us up. It's what snares do. The Bible says snares are all around. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. He doesn't get all snared up into sinful living. Now those weights and those sins, they, yes, they can seem very attractive for the moment. Yes or no? Very appealing to the flesh. But they quickly cause our eyes to get off the prize and get focused not on the eternal but on the temporal. I think the most difficult thing in the Christian life is to stay focused on the eternal. But if we are going to run well and we're going to finish strong, we have to keep our eyes focused on eternal things and not the temporal things. While we look not, don't look upon the things which are seen. We'd do a whole lot better in this life if we just wore blinders. Everything is out there appealing to our flesh, persuading us to get off the course that the Lord has called us to run. And we have to say no. I am not going to focus on those temporal things. While we look not upon the things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And yet most of us here are focused on the temporal. And that's why we're not running well. And that is why we will not finish strong. So we need to remember those cloud of witnesses. We need to remove the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. And notice the third thing that he says here. We need to fixate our eyes on Jesus. We need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despise the shame. 
So while we may glance at the cloud of witnesses for encouragement now and then, while we may throw off the things that have entangled us, I'm going to tell you this. Our ultimate encouragement will come from keeping your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Turn your eyes upon what? Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. No, all these persuasions are over here saying, look at me! Look at me! And the Holy Spirit says, no. Keep looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. One day that race will be over. For some of you, the race has just begun. For some of you, the race will soon be over. Pastor Peterson's here. I'll tell you, I love this man. I respect this man. 93 years old, still running the race. But your race is going to be over soon. Brother Raby, you're 90 now? 91. Running the race. Let me say to both of you men, finish as strong as you've been running. Because when our race has finally ended, as those who were in the Olympic Games or the Athenian Games, you have to go stand before the judge to receive your reward. You have to go before the Bema seat. The Bible says, And is it appointed unto man once to die? After this, the what? I want you all to look up here. When your race ends, whenever that is, and you know what? We, we never know when that race is going to end. Never know. But when that race ends, you're going to be called before the Bema seat of Christ. And I wish I had time. I, 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 actually, I've just finished my introduction. Isn't that awful? It's awful. Ben said he's been reading Spurgeon's notes to his students. And he said to me last night, he said, Dad, you know, Charles Spurgeon said that no preacher should ever preach over 40 to 45 minutes. I'm trying. <laughs> well, let's talk about the judgment seat. And I'll talk about it briefly. There's so much I could say about it, but I'll just talk about it briefly. It, None of us here today that know the Lord and love the Lord will escape it. The judgment seat is something that every believer will stand before. Now, if you want to avoid the judgment seat, then you'll be appearing before the great white throne. 
Can I tell you something? You don't want to go there. Because that sentence is the lake of fire. But we won't get into that. We're just talking about the judgment seat here. And I want to be very honest with you, and I, I believe I've told you this before. There is seldom a day goes by. There are days that go by, but there is seldom a day goes by now that I'm this age that I do not think about the judgment seat of Christ. It's almost daily on my mind, and I want to be honest with you. It, it can be a terrifying experience to stand before the judgment seat of Christ if you're not right with God. In these passages, and there's three main passages that speak about the judgment seat of Christ, one says this, just after it talks about the judgment seat, it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He's talking about the judgment seat. Now think about it, you're standing before the Lord of glory. And we are going to be judged for the things that we have done in this life. I can't escape it. You can't escape it. We are going to be judged as to whether or not we have run well and finished strongly the course that the Lord has given us to run. So then every one of us must give an account of himself to God. Every man's work will be made manifest, for the day will declare it, because it shall be re revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, loss of reward, but he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. It can be a terrifying experience when you think about standing before the Lord in judgment. It can also be a very shameful experience. The Bible says there are those, and I quote, who will be ashamed before him at his coming. If you were to be called before the Bema seat today, would you be ashamed to stand before the Lord and give an account of how you have lived your life and run the race? So it can be a very sobering thought. It can also be a very humbling thought. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I want to tell you what, all pride will be gone in that day. Zero pride, zero criticalness of others, zero division, zero discord. All the things in this life that divide us and separate us, not at the judgment seat. But then the Bible says, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. One of the things, the judgment seat, the finish the course, the standing before the judge, the bima, one thing it will do, it will cause you to purify yourself before the Lord when you really stop and think, I'm going to give an answer for the way I've lived my life. I'm going to give an answer for the decisions that I've made. 
for the things that I've done, the places that I have gone, how I've spent my money, what I've done with my free time. Yes, it can be a sobering thought. It can be a humbling thought. But I want you also to know it can be pretty exciting when you think about the judgment seat. If you've been running well and you know you're going to finish strong, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a what? A what? A reward. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. When you think about finishing your course and standing before the Lord, are you excited about it? I hope that you are. Skip those two pages. As I think about the judgment seat of Christ, First of all, let me say this. Salvation is not in question. I'm not standing before the Lord for him to determine whether or not I'm saved or lost. I would not be there unless I was saved. So put that out of your thinking. But there are judgments that will come to us, and I just counted seven of them. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Seriously, this will be quick. I preach a message on each one of these. Believe me, I could do that. But there's seven judgments that we're going to have to face before the judgment seat. Number one is our stewardship. I want to jot these down. Our stewardship is going to be judged. The Bible says, give an account of thy stewardship. So you are going to be judged by the Lord at the Bema seat for how faithful you have been with the talents, with the abilities, and with the resources that the Lord has entrusted to you. Have you been a good, faithful steward of what he has given you? Hello, are you all with me? Number two. We are going to be judged by the works that we've done. Every man's work shall be made manifest for for fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. There's an, there's an inspection day coming. I remember when we were building this church, and we, were, we had inspections throughout. The inspectors would come. We had one main inspector and uh, really developed a friendship with him. I, I loved this guy. Because you know what he would do? He would just say, hey, you know what? Ah, it's okay. <laughs> I love inspectors like that. And then we had another inspector for another building that was like, by the book. Where we thought you did it right, you'd have to tear it out and redo it again. Even though he would say such things to me like, you know, this really makes no sense, but you got to do it. But before we could get occupancy of these buildings, we had to pass the inspector's test. Well, there's a test that's going to be given of our works. I know this is not going to happen, but one man illustrated it to me this way one time. He said, you know, when I think about the judgment seat, I think about all the works that I have done piled up in a big pile. 
And here I am standing at the top of this pile, and the Lord lights the bottom of the pile. And then he says, run. Because our works that don't pass the test will be burned like wood, hay, and stubble. Those who pa that pass the test will be like gold, silver, and precious stones. They won't burn at all. Now, I know that's not going to happen, that, that our works are all going to be piled up and that's going to be done. But the truth is, our works are going to be put to the test. Number three, so much more I could say about that. Solomon said, for God shall bring every work into judgment. Whether it's good or bad. The bad will burn. The good will remain. Number three, our motives will be judged. Hmm. Our motives will be judged. Our stewardship will be judged. Our works will be judged. And then the motives behind our works. The Bible says the love of Christ, what? Constrains us. That's what motivates us to do what we do is our love for Christ. You know, you know why I should be up here this morning preaching to you? You know why? Not because it's my job. Why should I be up here preaching to you? What? It's my love for Christ that motivates me to get into the Word and prepare messages and teach you and pastor you as a people. Why do you sing in the choir? Why do you teach Sunday school? Why do you work the bus ministry? Why do you do special music? Why do you go to work every day? Why do you clean the house? Why do you clean up after the kids? Why do you homeschool? Why do you cart your kids to Christian school every day? I mean, we could go on and on, right? The motive behind everything that we do is to be the motive of a love for Christ. Now, if that is not the motive, when we stand before the judgment seat, what's going to happen, church? That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Number four, our hearts will be judged. Bible said he searches the hearts. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes when he will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of men's hearts. Aye, aye, aye. How many of you want people to know the secret thoughts that are in your heart? How many of you would be extremely embarrassed if someone could see the secret thoughts of your heart? Who knows every secret thought? Hmm. Our stewardship will be judged. Our works will be judged. Our motives behind our works will be judged. Our hearts, the intents of our hearts, 
the hidden things of our hearts, the counsel of our hearts, will be judged. Number five, our secrets will be judged. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Those secret things that no one else knows about. Do I need to mention a few? Those secret things that you do that your wife is not aware of. Your parents are not aware of. Your husband is not aware of. Your preacher is not aware of. All those secret things that you do. We're not talking about the secret of the heart. Yes, that will be judged. But all the secret things also that you have done that no one else knows about. Have you ever noticed that one of the things about being a parent is you've got to be a private investigator? For sure. I always hated that part of parenting. Trying to be a private investigator and figure things out and your kids lie to you. And I'm so glad I got so many, well, I got 23 grandchildren and they're all perfect. <laughs> Don't have to deal with any of that anymore. But all those secrets, stop right now. What were a couple of those secret things you did this week that no one else knows about but you knew? Number six, our words will be judged. The Bible says every idol, idol, I think of a car idling. It's not going forward, it's not going backwards, it's just idling. Even every idle word which men speak, they shall give an account thereof in the days of judgment. Then he says, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Even those idle words Our stewardship, our works, our motives, our hearts, our secrets, our words. And lastly, number seven. Isn't it interesting that there's seven? Our treasures will be judged. Lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? You know the most awesome thing about the Lord? You start laying up treasures in heaven, he'll give you a few here on earth too. Hanging over the fireplace in my father's church for many, many years was the plaque, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That always mentored me. Several years ago, our ladies here in the church, they got really carnal, and they went to Shipshawana. 
And while they were all in Shipshawana, they felt guilty of their carnality. <laughs> and so to justify themselves, they bought me that plaque. And for years it hung above the door here when you'd come in the church. Most of us got so used to it being there we never noticed it. We walked underneath it. And the reason I know that is because when I took it down and put it in my office, it was almost eight months before someone said, what happened to that plaque? But it's in my office now and I see it every day. And it mentored me when I was young and it mentors me to this very day. My dear church family, only one life will soon be passed. We've started the race, we're on the course, and the finish line's coming. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know, as I was mentioning those seven things, I saw some deep conviction come over some of your faces. If I would be hearing this message, some deep conviction would come on my face as well. And as I look at these seven things, I don't want to give an account for my stewardship, for my works, for my motives, my hearts, my secrets, my words, or my treasures. So you know what I think a good thing to do is? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All these unrighteous things that I've just mentioned that we have to give an account of the day of judgment, wouldn't you like to have them erased off your slate? Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.